This is Fantasy Football Picks and Bets presented by Prize Picks on the Mayo Media Network. Make sure you like and sub to Mayo Media Network and the Fantasy Football Picks and Bets audio podcast feeds down in the description. We're coming at you three times a week. Mondays with me, Thursdays with Tambo for Thursday night picks and DraftKings preview. Then back on Saturday, full injury report, rankings update. And, of course, the plays for the weekend. The props did not go well on Sunday for me on prize picks. Fortunately, I had some stuff loaded up throughout the course of the week, and we can get back at it on Monday. Reminder to everyone that hit the time codes. If you want to get what you want waivers coming up, then we have the Monday night breakdown. After that, the full injury report. But first, we're starting with the prize picks and props for Monday night football. We got a two-banger on the slate this week. The only injuries of concern that you need to know about right now, which we don't have at the moment, realistically, it's going to be Gabriel Davis. Is he going to play or not? It seems like he's going to play, but being downgraded on the practice report throughout the week is never a good thing. So pay attention to that. Isaiah McKenzie and Jamison Crowder ready to step up and in should Gabriel Davis not be able to play against the Titans for the Bills. Hopefully he can be a go. If you're still relying on Gabe Davis for season-long fantasy football, make sure to have a replacement in place last second. If you watch any of the Sunday content, which you should go back, watch the Sunday night recap show. Top-notch stuff. You can find that on the PME audio feed, but uh, we've talked about it all week, especially on the Sunday morning and Saturday show about Gabriel Davis and having that replacement if you're waiting for him. But let's get to these Monday night games for the prize picks. Monday night football DraftKings coming up at the end if you're looking for more Monday night football content. So we got the two-banger on the slate. You can see my play for here. We're trying to get back on the horse on prize picks after a tough weekend, but it's okay. We were piling up a lot of winners before that. You're not going to win every single week. It happens. So the two that I like the most, and this kind of jibes with the Run the Sims tool for Prize picks. You can see the biggest play of the week is Traylon Burks. Uh, That's the most satisfying one. Uh, It comes in at an under 7.5 fantasy score at 82.6% of the time. Jeff Swaim is another one, 80%. 81% of the time he goes over his 10.5 number. I actually like that one a little bit better, to be perfectly honest with you, mainly because we have... Uh, A situation where they're going to be likely huge dogs in this game. I mean, they are huge dogs in this game. And even if you don't think it turns out that way, it works one of two ways for Jeff Swaim. He played 73% of the snaps for the Titans in week one. But as we saw in week two, everything that happens in week one may not necessarily be the same. Uh, Things can change week to week. Coaches make adjustments. Good coaches make adjustments if things aren't working uh, and maybe try to confuse the defenses a little bit. I mean, I got sucked into the Mike Gesicki trap. That's why my prize picks lost on the weekend. I tied these Mike Gesicki unders to everything. He didn't go under. He went, well, he went like three times what his over-under was on the over. Uh, But, you know, shit happens sometimes, so got to watch out for that. But back to these prize picks. Uh, We have the Jeff Swaim over 10.5 receiving yards. He ran a route on 44% of Tannehill's dropbacks, uh, and he averaged 1.27 yards per route as well uh, in terms of his overall. So realistically, this is one target, maybe two targets for him, two receptions, and Jeff Swaim gets you to that over. Uh, You would think that Austin Hooper would be playing more than Swaim, 
in this Titans offense because he's a much better receiving tight end, but they need the help blocking, especially what we saw out of Buffalo in the opening game, how they were able to generate so much pressure that they're going to need Swaim on the field to block. Now, I wish he was running more than 44% of routes on dropbacks because they ask him to block so much. The good thing is where you expect the Titans to be passing so much that he has to be on the field because he is their best blocking tight end, so that just puts him on the field for more opportunities. So over more than 10 Prize picks and yards, receiving yards for Jeff Swaim. And then I'm going with Alexander Madison on the other side in the other game. You can't take two guys from one team. It's the one thing you can't do. So if you want to make the decision between Burks and Swaim, that's on you. I like the Swaim one a little bit more because I still have some pending ones from the weekend with Burks. So I'm going to switch that up a little bit. So Madison in the Philly game, uh, it's just he's not obviously going to take over the main role from <laughs> Delvin Cook, but 17 and a half rushing yards. I do like more than that. He should see between six and 10 carries in this game. And if we learned anything from the opening week, and maybe it's going to be a little bit different. Philly cannot stop the run whatsoever. Even if they get up big in the game, they can't stop the run. So I think that Madison's going to get his opportunities. It shouldn't take much for him. And usually he comes in after the defense is pounded down anyway. They bring him in on third downs a lot of the time and when you're not supposed to be running and then run a draw with him. It's just easy pickings. Even if he doesn't get the first down, he ends up with like eight, seven yards per carry on that. So Alexander Madison over the 17 and a half rushing yards Jeff Swaim over 10 and a half receiving yards for this game 100 pays $300 on prize picks so we're gonna lock that one in and if you want to get a match deposit of up to $100 at prizepicks.com so deposit 100 get the free 100 you can put it on this or whatever it is that you want uh you can do that with code MMN the link is down in the description there you see the official play we are in on that that brings us to the week Three injury report and waiver wire. You can find my entire waiver wire pickup power rankings in a link down in the description or just up at dknation.com. I always recommend subbing to the newsletter because all of the hot links will be in there, plus extra notes, everything like that. Uh, if we jump over to the newsletter right now, you can see the full injury cheat sheet. Uh, I will have a link to this in the description, just this post. It gets updated whenever new information comes out. Dontrell Hilliard is out for Monday Night Football, so he will not be stealing touches out of the backfield. Another reason to like Swain, by the way. Damian Harris was limping at the end of the Pats game. He says he's fine. Keep an eye on him. James Conner and Gio Bernard both left the game with ankle injuries. Not quite sure what's going to go on with them. I'll update it once and more information comes out. Kamara, Dobbins, both missed week two. Questionable for week three. Leonard Fournette played, but he said he felt like he was playing on one leg. That's not good. We'll see what happens with Fournette. Although when we look at the snap shares, they don't really tell that story too much. And then you have Damian Williams, who missed the game for the Falcons. Uh, Tower Algier got much more involved in the running game for the Falcons this week. Not that there was a ton of opportunities to run all that much when you're down by so much against the Rams in that situation. So we jump on over to the waiver wire pickup power rankings for the week. Ibrahim Moss started at number one. One, uh, Rashad White at number two, based on that Fournette news and the fact that he's working in a little bit more and Gio left the game. That's kind of leaving him as the only guy there. Daryl Williams filling in for James Conner. Tyrion David-Price, who got a ton of run, along with Jeff Wilson. Jamal Williams, Jalen Warren, Khalil Herbert, Zach Moss, Eno Benjamin, and Kenneth Gainwell are the top ten in terms of running back pickups this week. Uh, with the Mostert situation, it's kind of interesting, mainly because... Every time he touched the ball, he was running downhill. And a very sneaky thing about it, and this is going to switch 
week to week between Mostert and Edmonds in the Miami backfield. You're never going to have any trust with these guys, but the potential, you could see it for a big game was there. And just with the way that everyone needs to pay so much attention to Hill and Waddle running these short routes, it just opens up a lot of running lanes for a north-south runner like Raheem Mostert, where Chase Edmonds is going to be your receiving back. But I thought it was very interesting that when you look at the snap shares and you look at how that game was played, even when they were down 21 points in the second half, they were still running with Mostert on first down. He was gaining chunk yardage. So it's not like they abandoned him, took him out of the game, and played Chase Edmonds. Now, that might be a different scenario. Maybe he was a better matchup for the Baltimore defense than Edmonds was, but it was very encouraging to see you know, week one getting back in the fold, new team coming off an injury. Now we see week two utilized so much more. Uh, here are the snap shares for the week as well. Uh, when you take a look at what's going on, McCaffrey, Fournette, Barkley, Montgomery, and Travis Homer, weirdly enough, uh, were the ones who played a bunch of snaps. Seattle ran 20 fewer plays than San Francisco. So that's back-to-back weeks that they're not even competitive in terms of running plays. So mainly unders on Seattle for anything going forward is huge. But you can see the Dolphins, Raheem Mostert at 46 snaps. That is 66.7% of the snap share. Edmonds was on the field with him a lot of the time, so 49% of the snaps. So it's not like Edmonds was useless in that situation. That was very encouraging to see, especially in a game where you think that Mostert, being a front-running type running back, ends up coming in. And it's like, oh, okay, as long as Miami is winning, so you can't play him against the Bills this week. Well, maybe you can. I mean, it's not a great matchup, mind you, but it doesn't feel like he's going to be completely written out of everything either. So that was interesting to see. See James Robinson around 60%, ETN around 35%. That was a big winning situation for the Jags. I feel like that's going to be flipped in losing situations. Michael Carter, uh, even though Brees Hall scored the two touchdowns, you see Brees Hall only at 25 5.4% of the snap share. Michael Carter, right now, although he might not be as talented, he's the one they use in the receiving game. The Jets suck and they pass a ton and they're going to give up a ton of points and they're going to try to score a ton of points. So Michael Carter is another kind of sneaky under the radar type going forward too. You see Cam Akers, all the Cam Akers panic. It's starting to subside a little bit. Uh, he put in a huge chunk of work here, 43% to Henderson's 55. That's much better than his three carries from last week. He didn't look quite as good as Henderson on an efficiency basis, but he was fine at the same time. Uh, and another encouraging note for Antonio Gibson uh, in a game where they were trailing the entire way, he still played way more than J.D. McKissick. McKissick towards the end of the game started playing all of the snaps in the receiving game, but Gibson was the only player in the NFL to see three carries from inside the five-yard line. So his scoring potential is still through the roof in that situation. So don't worry too much about some of these guys off to slow starts. This happens every single year, and you see people panic. You're going to have your Kyle Pitts. I mean, every running back in the league sucks based on fantasy points. Like, they're all truly awful. Like, Chubb has one good game. I mean, McCaffrey, weirdly enough, has been the most consistent. He hasn't really done anything, but because he's so involved in the offense, which was the reason to take him in the first place, he just kind of, he hasn't had a good game yet, and he just kind of chips away at 15 points, 17 points. Like, that's, that's fantastic based on how these top-end running backs are doing so far in your fantasy lineup. So it's no need to panic, even with the Kyle Pitt situation. Yeah, he looks really bad, and... That's not good. I Listen, it's not good for any of my teams. It's not good for your team, but it's definitely a buy-low situation, if there ever was. Drake London had a 49% target share this week for the Atlanta Falcons. That is a historic rate. So that's not going to continue. Kyle Pitts will move back up. Defenses are really scheming to take out Kyle Pitts, and they're letting Drake London eat their lunch. That's going to change. Most definitely, that's going to change. So you have to weather the storm. It's not like... 
tight ends are easy to find. Uh, if you will find someone that's giving away Kyle Pitts or even at like 80 cents on the dollar, I'm in. I'm in on Kyle Pitts. So let's go back to Kyle Pitts in that situation. Jumping back over to the injury report, once again, those snap shares and everything of that nature are in the newsletter. Newsletter link is in the description. You can subscribe for free if you would like. The other injury to note besides Gabriel Davis for Monday Night Football is Kyle Phillips for the Titans. He's questionable with the shoulder injury. Uh, so him and Hilliard. Hilliard is officially out. The other ones now. Mike Evans was ejected for fighting with Marshawn Lattimore. He could face a suspension. Jerry Judy left the game with ribs. Hopefully he's okay. Devin Duvalnay was put into concussion protocol uh, and ended up exiting the game. And then you had Chris Godwin, Wendale Robinson, Rondell Moore, Alec Pierce, Michael Pittman, Michael Gallup, Van Jefferson, KJ Hamler, Andy Isabella, Veluz Jones, and Julio Jones, and Keenan Allen all missed week two. It does look, appear, at least right now, as if Michael Gallup will be making his return next week. He's available on a ton of waiver wires. Obviously, we'll get to that in a second. But that is a situation to monitor for the uh, Dallas Cowboys and might hurt Noah Brown's pickup status. I do want to throw out, I put in this random stat thread. Uh, if you're looking for just different sort of routes run and sleeper potential, I uh, will get to more tight ends here in a moment, obviously. But like Ingram Conklin and Juwan Johnson were all top 10 in routes per dropback. That's the second consecutive week for Ingram and Conklin inside the top 10. There's an entire thread of like 15 things. I don't want to push it on you. And I'm, listen, you can just go to Twitter or click on the newsletter and read it. I don't need to reiterate all of this for you. Here, that is not good video and it's not good podcasting. So for the pickups at wide receiver, I mean, it's hard not to go with Garrett Wilson with the way that he was involved in that Jets offense. He was the go-to look. He is the one when you click on that thread to see the in terms of end zone targets. Garrett Wilson tied for first for the week, I believe with Cortland Sutton and Cooper Cup were the other two. So it's just great news for the rookie. I mean, sometimes it takes a week for someone to break out. And it's not like the Jets aren't going to be in a ton of passing situations. It might be somewhat unreliable. Teams might focus on Wilson, then Elijah Moore is out there running, but he looks like a real talent. And Garrett Wilson should be on your fantasy team. Garrett Wilson, Noah Brown, Jacoby Myers, Michael Gallup, Jahan Dodson, Sterling Shepard, Josh Palmer, the the human Dorch, Greg Dorch, Traylon Burks, and George Pickens. Some of these are injury related. Like, I like Noah Brown for next week more than Gallup, even if Gallup plays coming back off that injury. It might take him a few weeks. Gallup long term, I think, is the one you want, unless Cooper Rush really has this rapport with Noah Brown. You know, practice squatters, second team offense guys. Sometimes you see that the backups have good rapports with some of these backup wide receivers who get thrust into a bigger role. We saw that with Noah Brown. So far, CeeDee Lamb's another one. CeeDee Lamb was fine yesterday. I wouldn't worry about him. Jahan Dodson, uh, I have at number five. Uh, maybe you could move him ahead of Jacoby Myers and Michael Gallup if you really wanted to. But Myers should eat the lunch of Baltimore on Sunday. We just saw it. If you run slants, you will beat up on Baltimore over the field. And those are the only routes Jacoby Myers runs. Uh, and just, I mean, when you have nine for 95 in a game, you're seeing double-digit targets. Like, he is the only. Aguilar is five. Aguilar had a really good week, but if you're actually going to trust anyone, uh, Jacoby Myers, the only Patriot I think you can really trust at this point as an every week starter. And even then, he's like a wide receiver three. And he's kind of, I wouldn't say he's useless outside of PPR and half point PPR, but uh, he's far less valuable in standard than he is in that format because he is a reception hog. Pickens saw a ton of targets, but, you know, Trubisky sucks, so that's a real problem for him. 
Either way, uh, when you have a rookie who's averaging seven, eight targets a game, eventually that's going to come around. Maybe Kenny Pickett's the one who needs to come in. They play on Thursday night, so if Trubisky sucks again, you might see a switch going into week four. So keep that on your radar as well. Uh, if you're looking for the snap shares, obviously those are in the newsletter. Uh, Cuss drank from a shoe. That was pretty hilarious stuff. All the hyperlinks are in there. Even the hyperlink to this show is going to be in here after the fact. If you go sub to the newsletter right now, go click on the link that's down in the description. Once again, code MMN at prize picks. You can hit the description to go find that as well. Tight end injuries for the week. You have Dalton Schultz left the game for the Cowboys with a knee injury. Not quite sure how that's going to play out. Uh, we'll keep an eye on him throughout the week. Kittle didn't play again, but he was going to be a game time decision. I'm guessing he's back for week three. Drew Sample left the game. Better news for Hayden Hurst in that circumstance. But here's a really key one. CJ Uzama, the secret of the Uzama, has a hamstring injury. He missed his second week in a row. And realistically, when we look at the tight pick at pickups at tight end, I think Hayden Hurst is number one. Then you have Logan Thomas and Evan Ingram. I think they're going to be more solidified. But as long as Uzama is out, Tyler Conklin just continues to see targets, routes in this Jets offense. Once again, if Flacco is going to be throwing this often, then you're in a situation where you can stream Conklin, play him for cheap on DraftKings, whatever it might be. Take the over props on Conklin as long as Uzama is out, and it looks like he's going to be out at least another week. Uh, same as the Gerald. I have Juwan Johnson at number five. He continues to see good workload, four catches, 40 yards, seven targets, high percentage of the routes run from Jameis in, on the Saints offense, so he's eating in there. He's going to have a big game very, very soon. He is He doesn't block. He only runs routes for the Saints and Gerald Everett as long as Parham and Keenan Allen remain out Everett is going to be second or third and I guess if you throw Eckler out of the of the tight ends and receivers he's second or third in the pecking order I probably should have had two touchdowns on Thursday night so uh, he's a streamer as long as those two guys are out then you have like Isaiah Likely Irv Smith Tunyon you probably don't need these guys because Conklin Thomas and Evan Ingram and Juwan Johnson and Hayden Hurst are all wildly available Obviously, uh, we'll get to the streams. You can see them up there on the screen. But just to run through the quarterbacks, Brissett hurt his ankle. And he's probably going to play on Thursday night. He continued to play through the game. Justin Herbert is expected to be okay. So we probably see him after the extended break in week three. Maybe not. Maybe it's Chase Daniel. But I'm guessing Herbert's going to be out there with a big flak pad to make sure that no one can hit his ribs. But it's Trey Lance is the big story. He's out for the season for the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Jimmy G is going to be taken over. I think that benefits Debo a ton. I didn't like Debo a lot because Trey Lance wasn't ever throwing him the ball. He was only getting rushes. And when you rely on rushes and you don't score a touchdown and you're a wide receiver you're going to be absolutely terrible so with jimmy g back you can probably kind of bank in on let's say three to six targets a week plus you're going to have those huge breakout huge games from debo plus he's going to get his on the ground work without the threat of trey lance stealing touchdowns and stealing rushing attempts at the same time so a big boost for him and Ayuk was like top 15 in targets this week so great news for him Ayuk and debo going up the board hugely for the streams at quarterback this week Wentz Wentz is becoming I have mentioned this on Twitter but uh, in terms of DraftKings yeah everyone has like their stacks you play the quarterback with his receivers you play a defense with their own running back generate a short field running back runs it in uh, you play the bring back in the other game but there's the new bring back the new it's called the Carson Wentz corollary it was formerly known as the Jameis Winston corollary in 2019 where you take Carson Wentz, and then the defense he's playing against as your defense. Because, listen, I, I tried to explain this uh, in full, and I think some people still don't grasp the concept about streaming defenses. 
It doesn't matter how many points. I mean, I suppose if they gave up 100 points, it would matter how many points they give up. But points against don't mean anything for your fantasy defenses. You know how fantasy defenses score points? By facing passing attempts against. That's really it. That is how you maximize your potential for scoring defenses. So let's say you give up there. Like, take a perfect example. Green Bay absolutely annihilated the Bears on Sunday night. They gave up 10 points. But what happened? Justin Fields barely threw the ball. Do you know how many fantasy points? The Green Bay Packers defense ended up with, even though they allowed 10 points, nine fantasy points. The Falcons, on the other hand, faced a bunch of passing attempts. They were able to generate pressure against a weaker offensive line. They scored 16 fantasy points. They gave up 31 points. Points don't translate into fantasy points at defense. You need to be able to find a team with a pretty good pass rush, or at least a high blitz scheme at a high blitz rate, versus a weak to bad offensive line against a team that's probably going to throw over expectation. Like, playing the Jets is a really good thing, uh, by and large, because Flacco throws the ball so much. Playing Carson Wentz is even better, because here's what the Wentz corollary does for you. Carson Wentz sucks in the first half, gets sacked, fumbles, turns the ball over, generates short fields or potential touchdown opportunities for the opposing defense. But then he's a different man in the second half. He's just slinging it and throws for like 400 yards. So he's actually a great play at quarterback, but he also helps out the opposing defense. He throws himself into situations with terrible decisions and a bad offensive line where he can only throw from that point forward. So you get all these passing attempts early and often and late from Carson Wentz, but it also keeps him throwing, so he piles up fantasy points. It's like that Jameis year where he threw 30 touchdowns and 30 picks. It was a great fantasy season. Like, if Wentz can go, like, 35 and 35, he's going to be, like, a top three quarterback for the season. So remember that when you're picking defenses. So Carson Wentz is my number one streamer, as he was last week. Flacco, number two. Matt Ryan, he doesn't look good, but it's a nice spot against Kansas City. Mariota and Trevor Lawrence as the streams. And then on the defensive side of the ball, Cleveland versus Pittsburgh on Thursday night. Trubisky is so bad. So bad. And they can't even run the ball. So they have to pass. Good news for Cleveland. Philly at Washington, the Wentz corollary, although Philly's defense sucks. Uh, these might get adjusted uh, throughout the week. So I'll update the waiver wire column as more information comes out. And once I make my rankings for the Jake show on Tuesday, I'll update the streams as well. But these are like kind of my first look of where I want to be going. Chicago versus Houston, Kansas City at Indianapolis, Cincy against the Jets. That could be higher. Uh, Houston at Chicago, uh, Chargers at home against Jacksonville. They were not really all that popular because they were playing Kansas City this week for good reason. Uh, so everyone dropped them. Atlanta at Seattle. Atlanta's defense has been lights out through two weeks for fantasy points, not real life, but for fantasy points. Great. Denver against San Francisco. Their O-line is still banged up and still pass rush coming from Denver. Although Sertain's hurt, but the defensive line of the linebackers are fine. Carolina against New Orleans as the 10th best stream of the week. Probably don't need to go down that low. So Cleveland, Philly, Chicago, KC, Cincinnati should be the five that you go to target if you do not have any defenses that you're just going to roll out every single week. On to Monday Night Football. We got a two-banger on the slate. Titans at Bills. Bills favored by 10 points in the game. 47.5 is the current over-under as I am recording this. Eagles hosting the Vikings. Minus 2.5 for the Eagles. 49 is the over-under in that contest. I'm probably not going to bet either side of any of these games. I don't feel confident enough in that. The prize picks probably be good for me. I'll probably throw in the first touchdown bet on them just for kicks after we cashed bigly on the live show with Justin Fields after Tim said there's no chance that Justin Fields could score the first touchdown. Me, Paul, Jeff, all the viewers cashed in a nice 22 to 1 ticket on that as we gave it out. So yeah, you're losing money by not watching the Sunday live show. 
show. Uh, and it's a recap of the week. So if you're ever looking for a recap show on the Pat Mayo experience, uh, that's the one. It's available Sunday night. So you want to listen to it after the game on Monday morning. It is there for you for your commute or if you're a night owl. You're good to go uh, from that circumstance. That's why I wanted to get it out because I love content that comes out Sunday night and Monday morning uh, just so I have it for when I wake up early and I got nothing to do besides do research on some of this kind of stuff. Uh, from the DraftKings perspective, I want to jump over to runthesims.com uh, right now. There's DraftKings Sportsbook. Let's jump over to runthesims.com. There we are. We have tons of slates that you can work with. Uh, once again, I mean, I won 3500 bucks on DraftKings this week. In for 500 out for $4,000. Uh, that's in the newsletter, too. I mean, I you did... I. Run the Sims has made me a profitable DraftKings player. It is absolutely insane to think about that, and it's especially good at showdown and small slates. It's great on the main slate for me this week. Thank you, Jacoby Myers and Dorch and, you know, Lamar Dolphins stack. That was perfect for me. Hope you watched the Friday show with me and Tambo. We got one stack completely right, one stack completely wrong, but, you know, when you get one right and you get it really right, it's all that really matters. So you have a bunch of different slates that you can play here. You can play the Monday total game. You can play the Monday through Thursday slate. Uh, you can just play the DraftKings showdown down uh but let's just focus on the monday main slate i believe this is where the highest percentage of everything is you can see on the screen right now uh you have the titans uh, these are the inputs you can go customize all of these uh 10 on the weekly 10 off weekly monthly or the annual membership at runthesims.com by the way if you use runthesims.com slash mayo would highly suggest it uh like you see kyle phillips right now is still in for a 13 market share of the targets if he's out like when we talk about those prize picks things if you put him at zero and put Traylon burks up which he probably would be if kyle phillips is out all of a sudden those unders don't seem as appealing so just keep that in mind uh, and i mean you can run the sims adjust everything you want you can run this slate 10,000 times in under 10 seconds it's pretty good pretty good to think about uh, we'll see from the Gabe Davis side, still have him at 18.4% uh, because he's, a, listen, we think that he's going to play, but these get updated if he's announced out, just boom, instantaneously. But you can go put him to zero, reallocate that receiving share onto other players uh, and just make your own lineups that way if you want to fade Gabe Davis in that circumstance. Uh, then you have the other game. You can figure out what we're doing from there. You can see Dalvin Cook, 25% uh, market share for Madison for that prop I talked about earlier. Dalvin Cook, 64%. So, I mean, he's getting one-fourth of the snaps at running back per our projections, and he still smashes what everything comes out to. You scroll over to the right side of the screen, and you see the Run the Sims button. So let's do it. Let's run the slate 10,000 times and see what it tells us. It's always fun to do, right? So 10,000 times. It took like three seconds to run 10,000 simulations. So here you can see the optimal percentage on, there we go, on the slate and how often they come out in the optimal lineup. So really what you want to do is look at the projected ownership, look at the optimal rate, and then your leverage score is optimal rate minus projected ownership. If it's above that, you want to play the guys. If it's below that, like for example, AJ Brown, he only appears in 36% of the optimal lineup. So this is where it gets confusing for a lot of people. I know this. He's projected at over 50% owned, 56% owned at the moment, 36% owned in the optimal lineup. That gives him the worst leverage score on the slate at minus 20. Now he still is going to appear in the best possible lineup one third of the time but he's being played way more than that in what we consider this two-game slate. So that would make him a pretty good fade. And that doesn't mean you need to fade him, 
But I'm just saying that in terms of the optimal score, it's not quite as high as the ownership is going to be, where someone like Derrick Henry is the most optimal player. He appears in 55% of the optimal lineups of 10,000 lineups, uh, but his ownership percentage is only 51%. He's actually, his optimal rate is above his ownership. That's the best way to try to interpret these numbers, and you have that right next to him as well. So if we look at the optimal percentages, the worst plays are basically all Eagles because they're going to be so highly owned. So you have A.J. Brown and Dallas Goddard, both. Uh, are not going to be very high in this, although they both appear over 25% of the time in the optimal lineup. Like, they're going to burn you one-third, one-fourth of the time, but it doesn't become worth it in that situation. So you can even get your projections from the slate after you customize everything as well. Uh, Allen, Hurts, Cousins are the top three scorers on the slate, followed very closely by Diggs and Jefferson, both at 19.3. So the best values on the slate, if we look at points per dollar, we go to the Classic Optimizer not the DIY simulator. They're two separate types of tools that you can use on Run the Sims. You just change your slate to Monday only, uh, and we can just take a look at who the best points per dollar players are. Jalen Hurts is the best points per dollar player, but like we said, his optimal percentage is a little bit lower than Josh Allen's, which is kind of crazy to think about uh, even when you start factoring in ownership percentage of that. Uh, just with the way that the simulations end up working, it ends up being Josh Allen because his highest percentage game tends to be higher. As you can see, his projected ceiling, his 95th percentile outcome, is 41 fantasy points where the 95th for Jalen Hurts is 38. So that extra three points really does bring a lot. Plus the 75 percentile is three points higher. The projected median outcome is projected higher. So uh, even though he's a little bit more money and points per dollar, it doesn't necessarily work out that way. The overall upside in a short slate like this does lean with Josh Allen and they have pretty comparable ownerships considering you can only use four quarterbacks on this slate. Uh, so let's go points per dollar. Once again, it's all the quarterbacks. Then you have Austin Hooper. I don't necessarily buy that for the reasons that I laid out earlier. Not that I want to play Jeff Swaim, but at the same time, eh, I don't think that Hooper's necessarily going to be the one to get it done. But hey, well, I've been trusting the Sims. I've been printing money. So maybe Austin Hooper needs to, I wouldn't put him in a, in a single entry or a cash game, anything like that. Uh, if we do look at tight end, you can see Hooper, Knox, Goddard, and Swaim are all the best points per dollar players. See Johnny Munt up here at the mid at $2,500. I don't know exactly how that's all going to factor itself out, but last week, everyone wanted to play Irv Smith. Irv is clearly still dealing with this thumb injury. I don't know if that's going to persist, but if it does, Nelson Muntz was the one who was on the field a ton for Minnesota, and he makes, I mean, it's not that you need to have all the salary relief on a two-game slate. We see this all the time with the Thanksgiving slate when there's the three games. It just doesn't make that big of a difference, really, when it comes down to it. You have enough money to play with. But if you did want to go with a lower-owned tight end uh, and just take a shot in the dark, we have him projected, his base projected at five fantasy points, upside of 11. But, you know, he ends up scoring a touchdown. All of a sudden, that becomes pretty good. Uh, the optimal leverage percentage on these guys is actually Swaim, Hooper, and then Munts, then Tommy Sweeney. Uh, punting at tight end on a slate without any great tight ends is usually the way to go. Because you can see, like, Goddard. Yeah, Goddard and Knox end up being in the optimal lineups the most often. By far, three times as much. I guess Austin Hooper is up there as well, which shocks me. But that's just based on the inputs that we put in right now. You can go amend those if you want. But Dawson Knox, 30% of the time. Dallas Goddard, 27 percent of the time but Dallas Goddard has a negative leverage score of 19 percent knocks at nine percent and they're going to pop up in a lot of these lineups because you know, they're they're some of the best plays but it does you don't necessarily need them and when there's so many duplicated lineups in a 
slate like this. Like, you could play them both together. I don't like that, but that is one way to get unique. Tambo and I have been talking about this a ton on the show. Let's just generate some lineups and see what it gives us. What is the optimal lineup of the week? Uh, Allen, Cook, Henry, Thielen, Diggs, Woods, Knox, Hooper. There's the double tight end uh, with those two guys coming out and Titans. So even double tight end, if optimizers are spitting it out, then it's probably not going to be uh, all that unique when it comes down to it. So you might want to get a little bit different on this slate uh, and you might want to use Swaim instead of Hooper and then you can pay up for Jefferson or something crazy like that uh, and just leave some money on the table on DraftKings for this two game slate. That will do it for me. Code MMN at prizepicks.com. Get you a match deposit of up to $100. Waiver, newsletter, everything down in the description. Like the button to this episode. Sub to Mayo Media Network. And that will do it for me. Run the sims.com slash Mayo for 10% off any membership level. You saw how valuable this information can be to you when you're trying to construct lineups and do your projections and make bets. So I would highly recommend that you use it. It's been working for me. I know it's been working for the subs. Hopefully it can work for you too. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you for watching. I'll see you next time. Yeah!